0: Now we'll take the opportunity to practice meditation and it's um, an important thing for us to do. When the Buddha was sitting in meditation uh, cultivating his mind, he came to know about his previous births and saw that they went back without any perceivable beginning. And uh, When he took uh, his last, sorry, but before he took uh, this last life, before he got born for this last time, uh, he had practiced meditation, practiced uh, getting into samadhi and was well-versed in the arupa jhanas, was very skilled and very quick in attaining them. There was one time that he was, one life that he was a, Rishi, and he, during that life, he received the prediction from the Buddha of that time that he would become a future Buddha. And through his previous lives, he had seen and paid respects to many, many different Buddhas. And so, during one of his lives, then he um, made offerings to. Uh, the Buddha of that time, that the Buddha had gone into a deep state of absorption, a state of, like, this jhana of cessation. And he took care of the Buddha during that time, that the Buddha went in, of that time, went into uh, this absorption for seven days and seven nights. And he attended on uh, that Buddha, that time and during his last birth uh, our Buddha he was able to get into these very deep jhana states but that still didn't fruit in enlightenment it was just when he came to sit in meditation under the Bodhi tree and contemplated into uh, into his heart um, and saw that the delusion in the mind, gives rise to craving and clinging, which in turn gives rise to becoming and birth. And this, through this realization, through knowing these things, he was able to attain awakening as the uh, Sammasambuddha, a perfectly self-awakened being. But before he attained that awakening, In this last life, uh, he had practiced the the torturing of his body for six years. And so we could see through this that he was willing to go through this pain, uh, that he had great compassion, a compassion that was boundless. And in each of his lives before he attained awakening, uh, the Buddha was very determined to develop these perfections in order to find a way out of the cycle of birth and death, the cycle of suffering. And it wasn't just for himself that he wanted to find an escape route, but it was for the benefit of all beings. He saw that all beings were engulfed in suffering. Some of them were in a very difficult state, in a lower realm, where they were filled with suffering, and others were in more of a refined realm, a realm of happiness. But he wanted to help all of these beings without discrimination, help them to uh, be freed from their suffering. And so he had to, in order to develop these these great paramis, that uh, he did. He had to sacrifice his flesh and blood many, many times to bring those paramis to completion. So we could give an example that um, if there's an extremely long road to walk down, and it's, it's a road that goes for millions upon millions upon millions of kilometers, or we could say that it extends from this universe to another universe, that he was willing to walk along that road um, and pass through many trials and tribulations, many obstacles, many difficulties, and was willing to die many times along that path. And he knew that it would involve this, but he was still um, willing to undertake that in order to help all beings to free them from suffering. So there was one life that the Buddha was born as a Brahmin. And he left his home and went to ordain as a rishi, as a hermit. And he had 500 followers. And one day he decided to climb up a cliff with his foremost disciple. And as they were climbing up and they, they got to the top... He looked down, and at the bottom of the ravine, he saw a tiger there, and this tiger had just given birth, but she was very hungry, and he saw that the tiger was just about to eat her own children, because she was starving to death. He knew that if she did this, then her goodness as a mother, the the love that a mother has for her children, would uh, be completely finished and so he told his disciple to to go off and to find some fruit and then after this disciple had left then he jumped off the cliff and uh, upon hitting the ground then he died and he did this in order to offer his body as food for this tiger And so there were many, many lives that he willingly offered his life up in this way. And his uh, the sacrifices he made, we just can't count them all. So as a hermit, he had sacrificed his life. As an elephant, he had also sacrificed his life. And as many different animals, he was born uh, in order to develop his Baramis. And this was all for bringing those those parami, those spiritual virtues to completion. So on the day of Isaka, we uh, recollect the Buddha and we recollect his birth. And that even though he got born into a normal human body, just like ours, it still wasn't a normal birth. He was born into flesh and blood, but the paramis and the good fortune that he had behind him was was exceptional and without comparison. And he developed these to completion within his own heart. And so this taking of birth into a human form in his last life, uh, upon being born, he declared that he is... Uh, the foremost in the world, the the best in the world, the most developed in the world, and that this was his last life. There's no limit that we can find to his compassion, and so that's what we recollect when we chant Buddha, That uh, the Buddha is limitless. In each life that he took, he sacrificed his, his body, or gave up a lot in order to bring these uh, pyramids to up to the highest level. And even in his last life, he kept on this work in that he was willing to uh, torture his body for six years before um, attaining awakening. And he fainted many times during this period and almost died. The amount of uh, pain that he experienced was extreme. And this was all to find a path that leads out of suffering. But he wasn't able to find it through that method. He had already developed samadhi to a very deep level and could attain the eighth jhana. So he was close to Nibbāna, but he didn't have any teachers to show him the way. There were no teachers who had enough wisdom to to point out the way to get there. So he had to develop that wisdom all by himself. He eventually, through developing his discernment, found out that the cause of our suffering arises uh, from ignorance and then that uh is a cause in turn for uh craving and clinging he then knew that he should let go of this ignorance and when he did that when he let go of the ignorance and also of the clinging and craving then the suffering in his heart wasn't able to arise So he knew that uh, suffering is something that we need to understand. He found out that we need to abandon the causes of suffering. That Nibbana is something that we should bring up with us uh, with clarity and the Eightfold Path we need to develop. And he had already developed it. He had already seen Nibbana clearly. So this path that takes us there, this path of sila, samadhi, panya, is something that we're all developing right now as we sit in meditation. We've got our sila with us in that our body and mind are restrained and collected. So now what's left is to bring up peace in our hearts and bring our hearts to stillness and also to stability. When they're in a stable, firm state already, um, then it'll be easy to develop samadhi and then in turn to contemplate, sorry, to bring up uh, mindfulness over whatever meditation object that we find conducive. So we can use the breath if that's useful for us, or we can use some other object such as the meditation word buddho. And the purpose of all of these objects in meditation are to bring our mind to peace. When we have that peace, then it's natural that after a period of time, the mind will start to proliferate. So we then contemplate at that time into the thoughts that we're thinking, into this proliferation, in order to see that it's just conventions, that this is the mind starting to produce conventions. And we see them as just that, as conventions. And if we do that with clarity, then we'll also realize liberation, vimuti. We can also uh, contemplate after the mind has become peaceful. So bring our mind to stillness, then contemplate into the nature of the body. See how it arises and ceases. See how it is unstable. It's inherently um, changing all the time. And we teach ourselves this, that... This body changes, it's anicca, And then from being born, uh, first coming together in the womb, and then being born and being a, a little baby, growing up into a child, and then being an adult, and then further growing and uh, carrying on until uh, old age, sickness, and death. That's all showing us its nature to change. And also there's our external environment as well. We can look at the trees. They grow up and then they also have to die. There is no tree in this world that lives forever. And it's the same with us people. No one lives forever. We all have to die. At most people live to 130 years. It's uh, very rare for someone to live as long as that. But at the time of the Buddha, there was... Um, at least one person who lived for 160 years. But no matter how long we live for, we all have to die. And that's just the nature of the cells in our body, that they come together and then they disband. So when we have developed samadhi, then we um, contemplate uh, to give rise to wisdom, which will allow us to let go allow us to abandon self and ego, to let go of uh, taking anything as being a being, as being me or mine, being self or other. When we abandon self, then the mind will become empty and we'll see Nibbana for ourselves. And if we just see this one time, then we'll see the Dhamma. And in seeing the Dhamma, we'll see Nibbana. In realizing Nibbāna, then we'll see the Buddha as well, because the Buddha is there in Nibbāna. So when we say that the Buddha attained Parinibbāna, he went into final Nibbāna, and that was his body passing away. But really, the Buddha, if we look at it another way, we can see that the Buddha is still here. So if we all practice on this path of sila, Samadhi and Banya, then we'll see the Buddha for ourselves and we'll attain to this state of, uh, inner awakening, or we can say our Buddha nature. Even though, so we, we attain to this inner Buddha. Um, but because we're following the path that the Buddha taught, then, uh, can then be known as Savaka buddhas, uh, disciples of, or buddhas who are disciples. So this day of Visaka, Puja, that we recollect uh, the birth, the enlightenment, and the final Nibbāna of the Buddha, we should all be very sincere on this day to offer our practice in veneration of the Buddha,